Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Joining us now, the president of the European Central Bank, Christine Lagarde, who stopped traffic here. The bison stopped walking around the fields over the importance of this speech. I was talking to our wonderful Matt uh, Bosler uh, covering the New York Fed, and he's here supporting the U.S. team. And the first thing he said, Philip Lane. So the speech that you put together here that we're going to dive into here in the next 13 minutes, how was it constructed off of your team with Dr. Lane? It's a little bit more complicated than that. Typically, uh, my speech is works as follows. I pick the theme, which in this case was not complicated because Jackson Hole has indicated that we have to concentrate on, on the shifts, mm-hmm. and there are major shifts. So I pick the theme. My, uh, my team uh, produces a first draft that I then look at, correct, changes, amend, we reconstruct a bit. Then I pass it on to Philip, and Philip looks at it, uh, brings new things into uh, the substance, will amend this or that. Then it comes back to me again, and I will polish it one more time. Then I share it with a few more economists in the team. Mm. I don't take all their comments, because if I did, it would You've not... You've been legendary for that. That's called a Lagarde no, right? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Yeah, because everybody wants to have their little thing in there. And before you mm-hmm. know it, it has no line, no rational, right. no logic, no conclusion. And I don't want that. We'll because... extend this to a one-hour interview. There'll be some logic to this discussion today. <laughs> the rules of the road, folks, for all of you on radio and television, is at an academic conference. We don't focus so much with any central banker about what are you going to do at the next meeting. It's about the architecture of the speech. And this is an exceptionally original speech off of the pandemic, where do we go from here? I want to go back four months to your speech in New York, where in Wyoming, and this is Ernest Hemingway's Wyoming, you talked about suddenly the sun also rises, there is gradually, and then it becomes suddenly. What is the tension you see now? What is the fear you have that the gradual now could be suddenly painful? We are facing major shifts. I'll mention three for you. One is there's a complete change in the labor market. There's a complete change in the energy future that we are facing. And there is a complete shift in how geopolitical forces organize our economies. Not to mention in the background the climate change impact on our economies, our life, and the imperative that it becomes as we have seen during the whole summer, for instance, in terms of major heat waves, major um, hurricanes, and so on and so forth. So you've got these three key shifts and the background of climate change. And we need to address each and every one of these three, which we inherited from the pandemic, which we inherited from the major supply chain disruptions, which we inherited from the geopolitical tensions that we see developing between Mm -hmm. the United States, Europe, Japan, 
and many other countries around the world, in particular uh, China. I was talking to our Alex Weber out of Frankfurt on mm -hmm. this speech, and I want to take the 60,000 foot nature of the speech, and I, I can't imagine Draghi giving the speech, it's original to you. But if I look at clarity, flexibility, humility, your backdrop out years is exactly the same as your backdrop on September 16th, which is the original structure you have is to pick two nations, the tension between Germany and the tension with Portugal as well. How do you, how do you get to these lofty goals given the fractious original nature of the ECB? I would disagree with that. I think the ECB and the way it has been constructed is intended for collaboration, for controversies, for debates, but at the end of the day for large consensus. And this is how I have been operating at the ECB. The fact that monetary policy is really European monetary policy mm -hmm. is a plus. We are bound by the same currency, the euro. We exchange the same banknotes, maybe digitally one day. But this is what brings us together and it's part of the culture. Now, then you have the fiscal situation. Then you have the debt situation. Then you have different markets and different um, constraints locally in, in, you know, in the 20 member states. But the European Central Bank mm -hmm. brings all those national central banks together. Not without pain, right. not without uh, you know, discussions, as I said, controversies occasionally, and not always by unanimous consensus. There is dissent at the ECB? Occasionally there is dissent, absolutely. And you know, we have to learn how to live with it. Yeah. And we, I, my job is to measure how profound the dissent is right. and who expresses and shares it to a point that he or she will not be prepared to, to compromise and to move to the consensus. A single sentence in this uh, original speech breaks in established regularities. Mm -hmm. Do you mm -hmm. have an operative theory right now, whether it's again to September or it's out uh, six months, a year? Is there a set of economic theories you're working with or is it ad hoc each and every day out of this pandemic? One, it is deliberately, decisively data dependent which forces us to react meeting by meeting. We cannot, given the fact that regularities mm -hmm. are no longer regular, and we have more irregularities than regularities, mm -hmm. we cannot exclusively rely on inflation outlook as determined by models. We have to bring into uh, our reasoning and our considerations other elements, other uh, measurements, including underlying inflation, as we see it empirically now, as we anticipate it coming up. We also need to measure the impact of our monetary policy. Mm. How fast does it produce financing tightening and what consequences will it have? So in a way, this, the, the, the break of these regularities right. forces us to have a larger spectrum of indicators and to think in, in a much broader way about the consequences of what we decide. One thing that's fascinating here, and Jan Randau in Frankfurt really emphasizes to me with the deterioration in economic data, I'm sure you've been more than briefed on it, uh, in Europe and frankly around the world, China as well, there's this waiting between conventional monetary dialogue and to use an American phrase, OMG, there's a growth slowdown. 
is you go into your sequence of data-dependent meetings, what is the weighting now to growth or real economy economic data versus a monetary policy, which with a process almost that you say is under threat right now? First of all, I would not put in the same bag um, Europe and China when it comes to clarity and comprehensiveness and transparency of data. Mm-hmm. We are totally transparent. We aggregate our national data at the regional level and we have very solid institutions that are in charge of those data. So I would challenge anybody who uh, argues that our data uh, is not correct and, uh, and not reliable. That is as reliable as, it, as right. it can get, point number one. Point number two, the, the best way to have the highest level of confidence is to look at a series of information, data, model produced, empirically um, provided, uh, anticipated by financial analysis. That, that's the best job that we can yeah. do at the moment in order to deliver on our stability mandate, which is to bring inflation back to 2% in the medium term, which we will do. I can mention this with China, but what I can mention is you are original in that you have real-world export-import experience. I believe I met you when you were French trade minister or That's right. newly appointed at whatever. 2005. This, the, 2005. That, yep. that was a few years ago, folks. <laughs> Christine Lagarde, as simple as, as I can say, the statistic in your speech today of real imports declining 30%, if we get what Gorgieva and Lagarde are both talking about, which is a regional blockism, a fragmentation, how mm-hmm. close are we to that? It's a worrying situation. If you look at the, 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 the number of protectionist measures that are being uh, engineered, implemented around the world, if you look at the volume of trade, whether it is you know, pure volume or momentum, it is, it is either stable or on the decline. And the fragmentation is something that is much talked about, but that we are now beginning to see in terms of investment, in terms of uh, market penetration by mm-hmm. various uh, companies around the world, and the control of FDI for indirect investment in many countries, including in Europe, is now being scrutinized in a much, much thorough way. So we are seeing not deglobalization, right. let's, let's you know, not kid ourselves, but a much more guarded, much more uh, careful uh, target of supply chain mm-hmm. development, of uh, setting up foreign investment abroad, and the purpose of those investments are different. There was a time when you were setting up facility in a place where cost was lower. Right. Now you set up an investment, you set up a facility because you're going to penetrate that market and you're not relying right. on you know, input-output. You mentioned tit-for-tat inflation. Is that mm-hmm. what you confront at the next meeting and, frankly, at the meetings into 2024? We will be very, very attentive uh, to wage developments because, obviously, one of the uh, strongest portion of uh, the economy where prices are going up is services. And services mm-hmm. is labor-intensive. Services is generally less interest rate sensitive than others, where capital expenditures, of course, are more uh, sensitive. So wages, as they develop, uh, will matter enormously, which is why it's critically important that inflation expectations remain anchored at 2%. If trade unions and business associations appreciate 
that in relatively short order, inflation will be back to 2%. They will not want to fuel more inflation by having wage or, or, or margin increases that would not be consistent with that. The language of this is accommodative, restrictive. Dominique Constant Mazzuo would say there is super restrictive talking about the U.S. Uh, central bank. How do you gauge the parlor game of interest rate trajectory now, given your new theme here? How do you take the minutia of analyzing the up and down, the restrictiveness, just as one example, with these larger thoughts of we need a changed behavior in economics? We take all that very seriously. Uh, if you pick the example of the, 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 the financing tightening, we look up and down the stream of you know, all financing channels from uh, you know, credit, uh, lending, money markets, uh, sovereign bonds, uh, the, the, the whole gambit of it to appreciate how much tightening is produced by our restrictive monetary policy. And we have to factor that into what I have called my, my three um, criteria, if you will, inflation outlook, underlying inflation, transmission, and strength of the transmission of monetary policy. You end this speech, and, and folks, really, for those of you in economics, this is truly an original speech from the ECB today and from Christine Lacard. Keynes, the difficulty lies not in the new ideas, but escaping the old ones. Which one are you trying to escape September 16th? <laughs> I mean, not to bring the meeting into, into focus here, but you need a new idea on September 16th. What's it going to be? I think what I meant using this, uh, this particular quote is that we cannot just stay in the same box all the time and assume that the models that we have been using for a number of years are going to produce the result that will guide us towards the right decisions. And I think by adding, as I said, underlying inflation, um, strength of the monetary mm -hmm. policy transmission, we bring new ideas and new principles into our, our thinking and our collective considerations. One final question, uh, if I could, on a beautiful day in Wyoming. You have to fly back to Frankfurt and sell this speech mm -hmm. to a very original set of nations in Europe. Mm -hmm. What will be the response, not only the response at your meeting on September 16th, but the simplistic statement of between the hawks and the doves? How, will there be a uniform response, or will this engender an immediate heated debate in Frankfurt? I took the precaution to discuss that with some of them. And uh, I think that the general principles of those three shifts, the responses that we must provide, and the new key principles of uh, clarity, uh, humility, mm -hmm. and transparency, uh, sorry, clarity, flexibility, and humility right. will stand and I think will be uh, appreciated and respected by my colleagues on the Governing Council. Well, we look forward to September 14th, truly an historic day. Uh, uh, I can't guarantee the same beautiful landscape as well, we the, have here. The hills are alive with the sound of music. Christine Lagarde, <laughs> thank you. 
Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.